The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. The buzz today, well, I'm going to try not to sing this, but a lilt a little bit. Everybody's talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. If anybody's old enough to remember, this was Harry Nilsson's version of Everybody's Talking, the theme from the 1969 movie Midnight Cowboy. So just think about the lyrics. Everybody's talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. Now let me tell you what we're talking about. It is no secret that finance typically lags in new technology adoption. Come on, you all know that. Don't be ashamed of it. It's just something we have to deal with. But... Part of what's already going on behind the scenes is this leaves finance professionals in the lurch, probably in your company too. They are not equipped to drive real-time and in-depth analysis and insightful reporting. They need to do this. They need to help drive the core of the business. They need to give you insights on key business metrics and priorities. Finance needs to be at their rightful seat at the C-suite table. Reality check. The world is just spinning and spinning and spinning. Global markets are harsher. Getting in them, staying in them. Wall Street, less kind. We'll just leave that one sit there. Finance needs to be able to help your entire company forecast plan and predict successful outcomes. That's what it's all about. But if you don't give them the right tools, how are they going to be able to do it? Well, that's the conundrum today. You have to arm your finance team with the right technology to be at the core of driving your organization's digital transformation. If this is breaking news, stick around. If it's not breaking news, still stick around because we have a lot to tell you about your journey in getting finance to the right place with the right tools. We have a panel of three experts today ready to share their expertise, their insights, their point of view. And let me get started. First, I'd like to introduce Sam Parik, P-A-R-I-K-H. He is a Managing Director of the SAP Practice at Deloitte Consulting. And a shout out to all of Sam's colleagues at Deloitte who are frequently on our shows. Sam has selected for today's show an opening quote from Henry Kissinger. Anybody out there was too young to remember? Kissinger was the National Security Advisor and later concurrently served as U.S. Secretary of State in the administrations of Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. He received the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize under controversial circumstances. You can all just Google it if you want. Uh, He's a prolific author on politics and international relations with over a dozen books. And general opinion on him varies widely. But the the quote that Sam selected from Kissinger doesn't leave a lot of lot to the imagination. The task of the leader is to get his or her people from where they are to where they have not been. That is a great quote. Sam Parikh, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Doing well. Thanks, Bonnie. 
Thank you so much, Sam. I love the quote from Kissinger, and it's a very thoughtful and insightful. Tell me, are you a big follower of Kissinger, and how did you pick that quote for our topic today? I, I read Kissinger. I would not call myself a follower, Bonnie. Um, I read Kissinger every so often, and as you said, he is a man of different personalities and opinions vary, and that's what is more exciting to me about Henry Kissinger. And the, and the reason I picked the quote today, the, the task of the leader, I think that's quite relevant in today's world, especially in the world of finance. I was directing my quote at the leaders of the organizations, like the CFOs, the controllers, and the, and the directors, and so on. And if you think about the latest trends uh, in technology in particular that are reshaping, if you will, the world of finance, you would immediately think that a leader's role is changing. The leader in a finance organization is no longer just an operator or the steward of the company's assets. I think they now have a role to play as a catalyst, as a strategist who is going to drive the company forward. The technology changes that we'll talk about later in our roundtable are Mm -hmm. reshaping finance. And all these changes are new, are new to the finance organization. Now, the finance has been lacking technological transformation for years, and now it's coming rapidly at it. So I think it will take a strong leader with a vision to take the company, take their organization and their people forward. Um, and so I found this quote to be very relevant for today's, uh, today's organization. Thank you very much, Sam. Very, very interesting. What intrigued me most about the quote was he talked about from where they are to where they have not been rather than what I expected Kissinger to say was from where they are to where they need to go. And the idea of where they have not been says to me, frontier. It says to me, almost expedition. It says to me, imagine a different future where you haven't been in the past rather than it's it's unimagined. It's being formed. Did you get that same impression from that part of the quote, Sam? Indeed. Indeed. That was also part of it, right? I mean, who would have thought about digital currency 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I don't think most of us, at least I did not, I did not think about a a phone in my wallet would act as my credit card, as my bank account, and as a way mm-hmm. for me to transact business. And sim- uh, simply coming from my company, I didn't think 10 to 15 years ago that I would be entering a hotel where my, I would be checked in and my bill would immediately show up and mm-hmm. my expenses will be booked. So, I mean, if you think about it, right, these, these are the times, exciting, very exciting times, but these are the uncertain times as well. We, we don't know where this technology is going to head next and what changes it's bringing. So, hence I said, it's, you know, it, it will take a leader with the vision uh, as well um, mm-hmm. and, and start thinking in more, more strategic ways on where the future is heading and, uh, and plan for that and help the people take to that new frontier, if you will. Thank you very much, Sam. I appreciate that. You didn't have to agree with me, but I'm glad you did. So no, but I mean, <laughs> it's agree, okay. Agree. It's 
That's okay. I want to. That's a perfect segue for the quote from our second guest. We're welcoming back John Essig. J O N is how he spells his first name. E S S I G. He's the senior EPM solution director at a company called Simplify. S I M P L E F I. And John has selected a quote from Jack Welsh. Jack Welsh's full name is he's still alive. John Francis Jack Welsh. He's a retired American business executive, author, and chemical engineer. Who, of course, you all know this. He was the chairman and CEO of General Electric between 1981 and 2001. During Jack Welch's tenure at GE, the company's value rose by 4,000%, and his personal net worth in 2006 was only $720 million. Goodness knows where it is today. Uh, but what's interesting, I just have to give a little trivia here, John. Bear with me. Welch joined GE in 1960 as a junior chemical engineer in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and his salary was $10,500 a year. I'm just going to let that one sit on the table. He did well. Here's the quote, five little words that pack a punch from Jack Welch. Change before you have to. John Essig, welcome to the show. How are you? Great, Bonnie. How are you doing? I'm fine. Love the quote. Are you a big follower of Jack Welch? You just happened to pick this up. Great quote. You know, you know, I'm not. You know, I, I like to think we have something in common. So, you know, you're <laughs> educating me here with, with uh, us having the same first name. So that, that's uh, very good to know. Um, <laughs> but in relation to this topic, I really attach myself to this quote, you know, change before you have to. It's a call to action, right? Um, the finance industry, accounting industry has been changing. For years, people have been, people have been saying, you know, finance has to focus on adding more value. Right, mm-hmm. less on collecting and aggregating data, less on reporting data, like Sam said as well, not just stewardship. Um, but what's interesting, what I've seen, you know, working with a lot of the clients and customers that we work with in the last couple of years, is the handful of new CFOs I've seen come in. Um, technology has been one of the core components or core values that they actually have. Right, so I see mm-hmm. our leadership chain, our our leadership teams really starting to change and to spur those changes within their organization. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, some of the new CFOs actually have a background in IT, right, or just simply grew up with technology in, in high school and college. You know, the mentality out there is just changing. You know, in fact, a couple CFOs I've seen come in have actually been tasked with bringing finance and accounting up to speed with newest technology, specifically around financial planning, around consolidations, um, so this is just completely different, right? They're expected to do everything they, they had to do before, um, but now they're expected to be able to manage and be thought leaders from a technology perspective um, as it relates to finance and accounting. So just really a big shift. And finance and accounting people need to kind of get in line with that, right? Look, look for ways to add value to their organization. Um, you know, with a lot of the changes coming, especially with cloud could be a catalyst to this. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're not ready, you know, you might be in trouble. And again, I know people have been saying this for a long time, um, but I think there are some interesting catalysts we'll talk about more later, um, which could really change things in the next five years here. Thank you very much, John. Great insights. And I'm, I'm intrigued at how you and Sam sent me quotes that talk about change Basically, uh, the quotes could almost be put together. If you think change before you have to, and it said the leader has to take their people from where they are to where they have not been. So the question is change where, how, when, 
we know why. But uh, yeah, I want to get. I want to introduce our third panelist before I say anything else on that. Thank you very much, John. Welcome back to Game Changers. And I'm pleased to introduce another returning guest. She is Karuna Mukherjee. I'll spell her last name M U K H E R J E A. It's a very interesting name with a lot of vowels. I like that. She's a senior director of product marketing in the enterprise performance management EPM team at SAP. And Karuna has selected a quote we hear very frequently on Game Changers, but it's a great one. And the quote is from Alan Kay. Those of you wondering who he is, Alan Kay, Alan Curtis Kay, K-A-Y, born on May 17, 1940. Well, we have to send a birthday card to Alan Kay next week, Karuna. He's an American <laughs> computer, right? American computer scientist. He's been elected a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, the National Academy of Engineering, the Royal Society of Arts. Yeah, this is a do-nothing kind of guy, right? Yes. Uh, until mid-2005, he was a senior fellow at HP Labs. He was a visiting professor at Kyoto University, an adjunct professor at MIT, and he became Atari's chief scientist for three years after 10 years at Xerox Park. He's also, get this, talk about a renaissance man. Alan Kay is a former professional jazz guitarist, composer, theatrical designer, and amateur classical pipe organist. When does he have time to say special things? I don't know. But here's the quote Karuna has picked from Alan Kay. It is the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Karuna Mukherjee, welcome back. How are you? Good. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for having me back. It's always a Thank pleasure. Thank you. Same. Ditto, ditto. So tell me about this quote. I'll ask you the same question. Are you a big follower of Alan Kay? You just thought the quote was appropriate for today, or both? Uh, so a bit of both. You know, I think the man, if you, are, if you are doing anything in technology and innovation today, I live in the Bay Area. You know, Alan Kay is, is quoted so many times. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. still a, you know, he writes and blogs, and so there's just so much of, of relevance to what he says and, you know, where he has come from and where he's taking the industry today. So, uh, so, it's, so it's, it's something that I personally can, you know, can relate to very well. And, you know, while our larger topic is around finance, if we, you know, if you just take that out for a moment, if you think about it, you know, where we are today as a society is because there were some visionaries and some dreamers who, who thought about it and who invented things and who transformed us as a society, as a race. So I think it's it's very applicable, not just for finance, but for as, for as a community as a whole. And if I were to take this from a very finance perspective, um, mm-hmm. and you, in the recent years, if you look at who has who has come out the winner, it, you know, it's survival of the fittest. It are those organizations and those people who've dared to dream and dared to invent. You know, we all grew up 15 years, 20 years ago. You know, you drove to the closest blockbuster and you got a DVD. And mm-hmm. that changed from somebody mailing it to you because there was an organization that felt they could simplify that process. You know, for its customers, for its consumers, they dreamed about it completely radical for that time 10 years ago. You know, to now, where are we? You know, I personally don't even own a DVD player anymore. Uh, But this is all about somebody dreaming, somebody, you know, envisioning what the future can look like and then taking those bold steps uh, to achieve it. And it's as an organization, it's every aspect of the organization. You know, for a company like Netflix, you know, how much should we charge for the service? You know, mm-hmm. how are we going to stay profitable? What should our costs look like? And that That's is right. really where finance comes in, in being that inventor, that dreamer of new finance models that are going to keep organizations competitive, that are going to keep organizations ahead. 
So thank you. As far as I'm concerned, Alan K will always uh, you know, hold true. <laughs> the future is always I, changing. <laughs> I think so. And Karuna, I'm I'm so intrigued that the three of you sent me your introductory quotes separately. We didn't all get together in a room and say, "Okay, John. Okay, Sam. Okay, Karuna. Here's a bunch of famous quotes. Each one pick one, and and we'll agree to those." These were all done separately, yet they all are really on exactly the same theme. Alan Kay's quote: "The best way to predict the future is to invent it." Henry Kissinger's quote: "The task of the leader is to get his or her people from where they are to where they have not been." I love that one. And Jack Welch's quote: "Change before you have to." So I'm just going to toss a little monkey wrench in here. I opened up with the lyrics from Harry Nilsson's rendition of Everybody's Talking at Me and uh, theme, as I said, from the Midnight Cowboy film. I don't know if anybody else on this call is old enough to have seen that movie when it was first run in the theaters, but I am and I did and it was very creepy. <laughs> I, I had nightmares about that movie for months. I guess I was too sensitive. But when the, the reason I picked it, everybody's talking at me. I can't say a word there, hear a word they're saying is because we opened with the idea that finance typically lags in new technology adoption. So today we're going to be talking about powered by technology, the future of finance, how can finance get from where they are right now to where they need to be, even if they're not sure where that is yet. And everybody's talking about it, but are they doing anything about it? Let me just run through the panel and see if you think finance is waking up and doing something, or are we going to help them start from scratch? Sam Parikh at Deloitte, what's your thought on that? I I think finance is... uh is widely awake based on my experiences with uh, mm-hmm. with variety of companies and their uh, their CFOs where where they are seeing they are seeing the change right i mean that the change is profound change is very evident and and i can see that they are seeing the change where where i think the action might be lacking uh, to a certain extent and and part of that what i see is 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 this uncertainty the world is so new uh, this technology has almost disrupted the world of finance, if you will, and it's so new that everyone is now taking a taking a pause and trying to understand number one where we are, two where we need to go, and more importantly where this technological change is going to go next. And because in my mind, I think you have to account for all three factors in order to take the action. But finance is, I think, is very well aware of the changes happening and a need for action, in my opinion. Thank you. Your opinion is what we want. That's exactly why you're here. Thank you, Sam. John Essig, what do you think? Are they awake, asleep? Are they driving their own bus? What are they doing? <laughs> I, I would say it's a mix. Ah. And, you know, I, I, I like the quote, you know, everyone's talking at me, right? Um, mm-hmm. I feel, especially a couple of years ago, you know, if you talk cloud, if you talk predictive analytics, you know, the joke around cloud is, what is the cloud? Where is the cloud? I don't know what this is. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, the readiness to adopt solutions like this weren't quite there yet. Um, but what's interesting, I think, um, in general, like, it's a little bit of a, a waiting game as well. You know, what I see out there, FP&A directors, controllers, um, you know, the new wave of people coming in, again, you know, grew up with technology. Grew up with enterprise applications, not with Excel. Um, so I think there's being, you know, I've seen a shift, especially lately in the past six, eight months in the Midwest. I know the West Coast has been a little ahead of, ahead of us. Um, but with actively looking to adopt these technologies, um, you know, and I get excited about it. But 
you know, I've been taking it a little bit of a surprise in the last six months with how common uh, these conversations are becoming in, you know, any interaction with the FP&A director, any interaction uh, with the Office of the Finance. Again, you know, the demographics are just changing a little bit, the age demographics, right? The people stepping into these roles grew up with this and expect it and want it. And I think are a little bit better capable or, you know, better positioned to make that change um, and see what's coming. So I think it'll be really interesting, you know, again, in the next five years, kind of how things shape up um, with that new generation of leadership out there, right? And again, even a couple of years ago, you know, it was like, Everybody was talking at you. <laughs> you know, I felt sometimes when I was looking in the future, I was talking at people, you know, but it's feeling a little different now. So, Thank you, John. Appreciate those insights. Karuna Mukherjee, let's get your thoughts on that. What do you think? They sleep awake? Uh, somebody else driving the bus? Do they get it? <laughs> so I think there are some who are taking caffeine shots in the Bay Area, I think, and I think there are some who are sipping some, some jasmine chamomile tea, but... So I think here's here's where, you know, I think finance organizations are differing, you know, the ones that are kind of ahead of the game. They as an organization are transforming and the finance department understands the benefits of this innovation of transformation of technology that, you know, while it cannot exactly tell them what the future is going to be, it can with a very high uh, probability factor tell them what it could be if they make certain decisions. Right, and those are the ones that are really kind of getting getting it. They are the ones that are staying competitive. Uh, we do have, you know, through our through SAP, we speak to a lot of customers. We do have customers who are very hesitant for them, as far as technology is concerned for finance. It's still about closing the books. It's about recording transactions. It's not so much about helping them make those decisions. It's still a system of record versus uh, an engine of insight. And so we are seeing this change, we are seeing the shift, but, you know, it's a balance that I think organizations need to find. You know, they need to understand the value as an organization. They need to understand that if I am making some bold decisions, where can finance play a role in helping me make those decisions? You know, coming up with new financial models or pricing models, right? That's that's really where the change is going to come, is when organizations feel comfortable, they feel secure, and they can see it as, Mm -hmm. as I said, an engine of insight. Uh, to you know, to take them forward. Thank you. I so like again, that. Yep. It's again caffeine shot and chamomile tea, like, depending <laughs> where you are. And I haven't even asked you what you're drinking yet because we're just now getting to the what's in your cup today. So, Karuna, you might have to repeat yourself. But let me circle back to our newcomer, Sam Parikh at Deloitte. Sam, where are you right now, and what are you drinking, or what would you rather be drinking? Go ahead, Sam. Oh, two totally different questions. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting in my home right now. Uh, taking a call from uh, from the quietness of the home. Uh, what am I drinking right now? Right now it's a pure uh, California water that I'm drinking. We had a shortage for the last four years, so just enjoying the rain and the abundance of water. What would I rather be drinking? Um, I think that what I do plan to drink, actually, rather be drinking. Uh, what I do plan to drink is a is a glass of Cabernet this evening. And it sounds pretty simple, right? I mean, a glass of Cabernet, what's new? I think what's special about this glass of Cabernet is that it's my own personal brand of wine. A um, few years ago, a colleague of mine, uh, he drew me into this project. Now I've been drinking wine. I, I won't call myself a wine enthusiast, 
But uh, but I do enjoy wine, and he drew me into this process of making our own wine. Uh, a company called Crushpad had just started the operations and was is providing facilities for the wine enthusiasts like like me or like my colleagues to have our small projects and small badges. So we made a really nice uh, cabernet, came out with few cases, and. Uh, and kept it all for ourselves, but it was a great process. <laughs> we went through the whole, from selecting the grapes to making it and labeling it, uh, and uh, that's what I plan to enjoy tonight. Wow, very impressive. I think we're all coming to your house. <laughs> Absolutely welcome. You're very welcome. We're, we'll be there. John Essig, what are you drinking or what are you planning on? Anything as interesting as Sam? My goodness. So, uh, you know, kind of like Karuna said before, I took my shots of caffeine. Uh, earlier, <laughs> earlier today. So that's that's the spectrum uh, that I land on as far as that conversation. But uh, you know, it's interesting again, just per Karuna's point, um, the dramatic kind of differences between organizations. I've heard people say, you know, why wouldn't I go to the cloud? And then I've heard people say, why would I go to the cloud? But anyway, mm. I just still had uh, Karuna's thoughts in my head there. Um, but as far as what I like to drink. You know, a little little background on myself. Uh, actually, enjoy cooking. You know, on my on my free time over the weekends and sometimes during the week. And you know, I've read a few chef biographies out there. One um, from uh, Joe Bassianich. Um Hopefully, I said his name right. But yeah. Um, oh yeah, sure, he Joe. Actually, he's, yes, he's Lydia's did I say son. It wrong? Sorry. No, you didn't. He's Lydia's <laughs> son. He's the wine expert. Yes, Joe Bastianich. Yeah, yes. exactly. So he was one of the guys that introduced. You know, helped really introduce the U.S. to Barolos, which have become widely popular. Um, but the thing that I attached on to, and I tried for the first time after reading his biography, was uh, Fernet Branca, which is an aperitif. It's an herbal aperitif. Um, and I love to cook. And when I cook a big meal, um, having a few sips or a shot of that after a big meal just helps digest the food. Um, you know, I love this stuff. And over the last couple of years since... You know, you actually will see this in a lot of big cities, a lot of nice restaurants, not just Italian restaurants now. Um, so uh, it's interesting. You know, he's done a, a good job of promoting the products and heritage, you know, from, uh, mm-hmm. from his home country. But uh, I, I love this stuff. It's one of those things, though, that it's kind of like black licorice. You know, you either like it or you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. By the way, Lydia Bastianich very often tapes or used to her yeah. uh, cooking show from her home in Douglaston Manor. I'm in Great Neck on Long Island, and I used to go to elementary school about, oh, a half a mile, I believe, from where she lives. And she must have a magnificent kitchen down there. But she's a uh, she's from Douglaston, the area, and I know she has a restaurant, I think, in Chicago. And her brand of uh, pasta is already available in stores for a couple of years now. So, yes, the Bastianich family. She uses the most amazing yeah, amount I, I of would encourage butter. If interested to read his book. He's got a lot of really interesting stories about his father's restaurant growing up, about Lydia's cooking growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a good read. I've read a bunch of these chef biographies, though. I mean, they're all—they all seem crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lydia um, uses more but, butter you know, than I've they're, ever. They're driving change, you know. John, well, I mean, those Lydia, are the type of people I'm interested in. You know? Lydia uses more butter than I've ever seen anybody use in my entire life in one <laughs> show. So it's at your own risk, cholesterol-wise. Karuna, what are you drinking, my friend? 
So, uh, well, I'm I'm not caffeine shots and not not jasmine tea. I'm more an <laughs> Earl Grey black tea kind of person. I, I have enjoyed that for years now. You know, perfectly brewed. I have my little kettles in my house that I so that I can mm. do a single brewing uh, just for myself and have it in a nice uh, cup and saucer. So that's what I'm doing. Um, but 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 I do think, Sam. I live in the Bay Area, so maybe I need to come down to your house in the evening you and do. enjoy that glass of Cabernet. <laughs> And John, maybe the next time I'm in your area, I'll have you cook a meal for us. Maybe, Bonnie, if you want to join us. <laughs> I'm in New York. Yeah, I'm just, we'll just do it by Skype. Fewer <laughs> calories for me. We'll just Skype me in, okay? <laughs> Listen, I think we're all ready for a break. You've whet my appetite. We're having a really good conversation here. If you haven't guessed yet, our topic is the future of finance powered by technology. We're trying to figure out how finance can stop being a laggard and start being an embracer and pushing forward into the future. But the future really is... As I end the sentence and stop, what happens next? That little breath of fresh air is the future. So the question is, where is finance in that future that's happening right now? We're speaking with Sam Parikh from Deloitte Consulting, John Essig at Simplify, and Karuna Mukherjee at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Oh, you know the drill. Matt out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4 HANA Finance, powered by SAP is part of SAP S4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4HANA Finance at sap.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to Bonnie.D.Gram at SAP.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Welcome back. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. Today's topic is the future of finance powered by technology. We've had some great opening quotes from our guests, Sam Parikh at Deloitte Consulting, John Essig at Simplify, and Karuna Mukherjee at SAP. And now we're going to start in earnest. We're going to start our roundtable, although I think we started it in the middle of the coffee stories about five minutes ago. So we are deep into the topic already. But now we're going to talk about some of the notes my guests sent me. Sam, 
Tamparika Deloitte. Let's start with the following topic. Uh, try to keep it to about two minutes. We'll go around the table. Everybody stay tight. And then we'll go to a topic from John Essig and one from Karuna. And that should do it. And then we'll do our predictions at the end. So, Sam, I'm looking at your notes. And here you say, technology is disrupting the way business is conducted. The digital economy is certainly causing a lot of turbulence. So, once again, finance is being called upon to find solutions. Sam, please expand for us. So, Bonnie, I, I call this uh, Vision 2020 for finance. If you think where finance has been, uh, where finance currently is, and where finance is heading, all in the context of technological advancement, um, it, it's, it's kind of a very interesting journey, right? Um, as John mentioned earlier on, we started probably with the pen and paper, went to Excel spreadsheets. I'll make it quickly there. But from Excel to ERP systems and from ERP systems and, and getting the analytics uh, through the traditional databases, now we are looking at mobile. Now we are looking at uh, the power of AI driving the business decisions and requiring the business to make faster decisions almost real time. You think about robotics, advancement in robotics like a robot picking your your investments. Or if you think about the mm-hmm. digital currency, all these changes that are happening and that are happening very rapidly are, are driving the business to think about different ways of operating, different ways of business models. It's no longer traditional a customer calls in and you sell the product and I call the vendor and buy the product kind of scenario. It is, it is very complex. Uh, the, the game changers in that world, the likes of Amazon, likes of Google, who are not creating only applications, they're creating platforms. So looking at all these things, I think the, the technology has already and is, continues to disrupt the way the business is handled. And finance has a pivotal role to play in this scenario. Finance at the at the crux of the of the organization has the responsibility to manage the stability and the strength of the organization, right? And so, time and again, with every new business model, every new advent of technology, I think the executives will keep coming back to the finance organization for the guidance and for help in driving them forward. Um, so. Once again, I think finance is is being called upon to action and act fast. Thank you very much. Let's get John Essig's POV on this. John, briefly, what did you agree or disagree with what Sam proposed here? <clears throat> to to a certain extent, um, I I agree with Sam. You know, I think there are some really exciting areas out there, frontiers, you know, around artificial intelligence, around virtual virtual reality around probably even uh, potentially more impactful augmented reality, right, in addition to that. Um, you know, to give an example, last week I was sitting down to dinner with a friend um, who works at one of the main companies uh, or one of the really big names out there that's investing in virtual reality, investing in augmented reality. You know, there's mm-hmm. Google, there's Facebook, there's IBM, there's Amazon, there's SAP, there's other vendors, right? Um and virtual reality is really cool. Like, from my perspective, um, you know, when I was much younger, was very excited about virtual reality, and then it kind of petered out because the technology wasn't there. Uh, but it's very cool to see the investment there, the investment with augmented reality, you know, Google's release of Google Glass, right? 
Um, but I still think those technologies are are some way out uh, for the normal, typical enterprise company. Um, you know, it took someone like Steve Jobs to come along and introduce the iPhone. You know, from an enterprise perspective, we were all using Blackberries. You know, I was on my mm-hmm. Blackberry, right? Um, yep. But to get much wider adoption across the industry, it took that sexiness of the iPhone, the ease of use, the simplicity, like Cruin had said earlier. Um, and I think these technologies have a bit, you know, a bit to go, you know, and not to, I won't pick on AI, but to pick on, you know, virtual reality um, until someone can just see something in their normal glasses without having to put on a, you know, a big set of goggles <laughs> and do what mm-hmm. Steve Jobs did for the iPhone versus BlackBerry. You know, I don't see the, these technologies being adopted soon, but um, I'm hopeful because I want to use them. But, I, you know, we've got we've to get it to a point where it gets out of the geek's hands and gets, gets wider adoption. Thank you very much, Karuna. Love your POV on this, on the topic that Sam introduced. Thoughts? So I think I think it's interesting, right? I'm going to give it a slightly different spin. I think technology is going to transform work cultures, right? There is there is a whole concept of the future of work coming where, you know, workspaces are being broken down and organized traditional organizational structures are being broken down. And I think that is where, you know, these technologies are going to play a huge role. You know, finance and finance workers are transforming. It's another generation of people coming in who are very familiar with technology, who are not scared of technology. So I actually believe that, you know, things like augmented reality and virtual reality, while may not be directly impacting CFOs or or VPs of finance, it's going to go a long way in engaging the finance story and socializing the finance story in the organization. So... I kind of think, you know, I guess I'm going to take the middle road here. Um, but I do believe it's, it is going to impact and it is going to play a role. Thank you very much. Karina, this, this is John. I mean, I, Go I ahead, started John. to kind of get into it. Um, you know, saying I, I sat down to dinner with actually a guy who works at one of those big-name companies and does design for virtual reality. And, you know, he's telling me, well, first of all, like a typical designer, he has these grandiose ideas and kind of the technology isn't quite where he wants it to be, but he's telling me he won't use this. And, you know, that's mm. a little disheartening for, for me to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm I'm not going to sit down for two hours and mess around with this, right? But um, I'm a little bit in the middle. So I, I do see, um, you know, interest in it. I think especially, again, with the, the younger generation of CFOs, they get excited about it like I would. Um, and maybe would bring it into their CEO and demo it and show how you could use it. Um, but I don't necessarily see it as a regular happenstance yet. I'd love to see, I'd love to see it get there, right? And maybe even with augmented reality, it could get closer, um, bringing on an interface that's not quite as disruptive. Um, but right now, I think it's very, very cool. It's a very innovative way to bring information um, to the forefront. And with the capabilities of, of cloud and real-time data and everything now from an analytics perspective, um, you know, getting that information is an expectation now. Um, so we've just got to get better and better platforms on which to view and consume that information, right? Thank um, you, John. I think it's the right step forward, so I agree with you to an extent. Um, but waiting for it to get there. We've got lots of extensive agreement and disagreement here, and I like this. This is a good, lively conversation. Uh, Sam, I'm going to give you a moment to wrap up this topic. Anything you want to add to what your colleagues on the panel have said on what you started? Because I want to move on. Go ahead, Sam. 
Absolutely, and I, I think this is a very good uh, variety of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there is a technology advancement that's out there, and whether it will become the reality in business is is yet to be seen. However, it's also the the flow of information and need to have that information at real time, workforce dynamics that are changing. I think those are real factors that are that are impacting the business today. Yeah, right. And uh, and finance will have to be will be on a lookout for all those things and how they invent themselves or reinvent themselves. So thank you. Great perspectives yep. from the panelists. And that's what we love. We love it when we get raising the bar and we get people agreeing halfway and middle middle ground and left and right. So I, I love this. Now, uh, John Essig, I'm looking at a topic here in your notes I think needs to be discussed. You say we are becoming a knowledge-based economy to the extreme. Only the lucky few, and you put quotes around lucky, who can predict where industries are headed will be poised to take advantage. So let's talk about our topic, uh, John Essig, our topic of powered by technology, the future of finance. So where does finance stand on this? Are they ready to be that lucky few? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, they need to be that lucky few um, for, for self-preservation to an extent, right? Um, you know, again, I mean, I kind of alluded to this in the opening remarks, but, um, you know, people have been talking for a long time about finance needing to focus on adding value, not just recording the numbers, uh, but what, what I'm seeing as a catalyst is, um, you know, cloud computing. And again, you know, a couple of years ago, people to some extent scoffed at it, but now it's starting to become the norm. You know, organizations are adopting cloud ERP systems at a very, very fast pace. Um, like I said earlier, in the last six to eight months, I've seen a lot of companies, you know, evaluating cloud-based financial planning consolidation systems, uh, becoming part of a regular part of conversation. Well, what's interesting in those conversations is what happens is that the cloud can be a catalyst to that change and to seeing that, you know, seeing finance extract that additional value, which is a little scary to people. Um, so what that can mean with a cloud-based, you know, cloud-based solution um, is the centralization of a lot of functions, which may, may be at a company that's not your company, right, of those menial tasks of managing data, of maintaining data, of collecting and aggregating data. Um, with, with these systems, especially within financial planning consolidation, um, you know, they also come with the flexibility and ease, ease of use to them. Um, so, again, you know, finance and accounting isn't going to spend their time collecting and aggregating data. They're still going to have those responsibilities. Um, but, you know, if you want to have a job in five to ten years from now, what I'm thinking is you've got to figure out how to add value to the organization. Um, and that's that's really got to be key for finance and accounting people going forward, right? What they learned in school may not be what they're doing in five years from now. Thank you very much. Karuna, jump in here. What do you agree or disagree? Very provocative. Well, I think it's interesting, right? I am, <laughs> I am still a I, – I believe and I have faith in technology, and I'm going to start by saying that because – Things are changing, right? Things are rapidly changing, and it you know comes back to that: Are you you know are you are you on a caffeine shot or are you taking a, you know a cup of jasmine tea? But organizations, you know, people are transforming. You know, companies are transforming, and I think from from our perspective as providers of that technology, as providers of as experts, as thought leaders, we need to be very 
succinct in how we are promoting that technology and what we are promoting that technology and innovation for. You know, that, that, that rests upon us as, as thought leaders and really giving that perspective that, you know, yes, you, you know, you go to the cloud, but why are you going to the cloud? You know, you want real-time information, but why do you need real-time information? What is that going to do for finance, right? What is that going to do for your, your uh, you know, accounts payable? And just to take one example, right, I think it's very, very important that we identify this, the business value and benefits of technology and not, you know, let's say for the sake of technology itself, uh, and I think that's, that's where the industry is going to going to succeed, and that's where transformation. Very interesting, Karuna. They're asking the question: You need it, but why? What's it going to do for you? I like What's that. What's it going that- to do? Right? You know, I have been talking to finance people a long time, and I, you know, I go to them and I tell them, you know, I can now get you your your data in you know in, in under two seconds. But the question is, you know, do I? I don't need that data in under two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I need, yep. you know, I need to be, I need insight. Here is where I need to reduce my cost, and here is the type of data I need. So I think keeping in line with the business need and technology being that enabler, I think is really where, you know, we as a finance society, for lack of a better word, is we are going to succeed. Thank you very much. I want to roll this around to Sam Parikh. Sam, love your point of view on this topic that we started with John Essig. Go ahead, Sam. So very, very interesting topic, uh, Moni, where I, I think it, it's interesting what we have become right now is a is sort of like an information economy or information generation. There is information at fingertips. You open the, the Twitter and you get tweets about the latest business news and latest economics and latest happenings. And you open, you go Google, uh, and you, you open the Wikipedia for any information. It would almost seem like you can get any knowledge that you want that's out there mm-hmm. on the web. And it, in my thinking, it's not really the knowledge, it's information, right? And the challenge for the finance organization and leaders in particular is going to be how do you filter that information? Pick the one that, that's relevant, number one. But more importantly, use it to your benefit and, and analyze it where you can drive the company's strategy forward. And that's going to be an interesting factor. Um, I think John alluded to the, to the schools and teaching, and I, I agree. I mean, our schools and our education system probably will need to re-look at what, what's being taught there. Right? The accounting principles that, uh, that were taught like 20 years ago. Uh, the principles are the same, but I think the application has changed with the technology, right? So it's, it's, I think it's a transition from being an information overload to be able to distill and really create, um, you know, insightful analysis out of that is going to be key for the business and finance in particular going forward. Thank you very much, Sam. John, I'm not going to come back to you to wrap this up because I want to hit a topic from Karuna's list since we just have about eight and a half minutes left, and I want to make sure we we play fair here. So, John, I know you've already chimed in a couple times. Karuna, you say finance will play a very key role in digitizing organizations. Karuna, this sounds like a very big homework assignment. Is finance really ready for that? Do they know what that means? We're talking about they even, they're lagging behind in technology adoption. Now you're saying they're going to play a role in digitizing the whole organization. So how does that come together? So I'm going to start with an example. You know, there is a term that, you know, I think most of us on this panel have heard 
frequently in the recent, I would say, you know, maybe two years, is the freemium model, right? It's a mm-hmm. new business model that came into play, uh, especially for, it started off, you know, for, you know, your consumer type software to now, you know, uh, enterprise software offers a freemium model. They want the ability for their customers to try out their products before buying it. To me, that is, is one step forward in digital transformation, it is a huge impact in terms of now I am not going to give it, I'm going to give you a premium product for free for you, for you to try it out in the hope that you're going to then buy it, right? That is where transformation is going to come. And that is why, from my perspective, you know, finance is going to start seeing the change. So it's about taking a very, you know, consumer-like behavior, consumer-like model, moving it to now an enterprise model, and finance has to keep in mind that, you know, while all this is happening, we're offering free services, we're offering free products, yet we need to keep growing. We need to stay mm-hmm. profitable. At the end of the day, you know, we, we are transforming in a lot of areas, whether it is information transformation, it is selling transformation, uh, but till finance transforms, and keeps up with those changes, for an organization to truly digitally transform is going to be very hard. Uh, Another very classic example that a lot of large companies face is I want to give the users, my customers, the ability to buy on a a website, you know, the whole e-commerce model, right? I want them to be able to put in a credit card number or, you know, Apple Pay and, and buy software. And I don't mean software that I just you know, a particular, you know, like a small app or something. I'm talking of enterprise software. And for that level of engagement to happen, finance has to transform. So they have to lead the way. They have to make the adjustments in their, in their processes, in their business models to support that transformation. So I truly believe that, you know, finance has a, has a seat on the table right now as far as digital mm-hmm. transformation is concerned. Uh, they have a strong voice and, and they can help move forward. And, and technology is going to play a huge role in doing that. Thank you. If they haven't woken up yet, they certainly need to after hearing this panel. Sam Parikh, I'm going to dial this back around the table to you and ask you to briefly comment on Karuna. Then we'll, why don't you each take one minute, Sam and then John, and then we're going to go to our predictions round because we're almost out of time. Sam, thoughts on what Karuna said about the responsibility and the key role of finance in digitizing the entire organization. Thoughts, Sam? It it goes back to what I said earlier. I think finance has a role to play, uh, more role to play than just being an operator and stewards of the assets. I think what Karna alluded to is the finance's role as a catalyst and uh, as a strategist in the organization. Uh, Very well said. I think finance has a seat at the table. Actually, finance, in, in a certain way, has a seat at the head of the table to help the companies drive this forward help them make the right decisions, uh, and also make sure that there is a financial backbone to support this, uh, these advancements uh, for the organization. Very profound. A seat at the head of the table. I just had them sitting at the table. Now we've, we've taken over, char- taken charge of the table. John Essig, why don't you agree or disagree with that one, and then we'll go to our predictions. I, I, I certainly would agree with that. I think most finance executives want a seat at the table, and they want technology that's going to have the capability to support them uh, with where they need to be. Um, and Karuna said one thing about consumer-grade applications, you know, to be able to, to support them. And I think that's been a really interesting change. You know, I feel like a broken record with the introduction of the cloud. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
big software companies are taking the opportunity to rewrite enterprise applications and focus on that consumer-grade application, you know, delivery. Focus on uh, enabling business people better without having to have that IT reliance. And I think that's where we're going to see that change. We're going to see that catalyst. Um, and, you know, I agree, not everyone's ready for it. Um, but those who are are going to be able to, you know, much better position. Thank you very much. Guess what, Sam Parikh? I'm dialing it around to you. I don't know why I keep saying dialing. I'm circling around the table to you, Sam. And I'm going to place the crystal ball for predictions right in your lap and ask you to peer in it and tell us. I'll give you 60 seconds, Sam Parikh. What do you see going forward? I love the year 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What will dramatically change about this topic if we met again to discuss it in the future? When and what would we be talking about? 60 seconds, Sam, predictions, go. So two things, uh, Bonnie, I'll focus on one, the, I would coin the term or not coin the term, but use the term exponential finance, the exponential changes in technology with AI, the robotics, and the digital currency that I mentioned are going to drive the finance organization, uh, will reshape the finance organization of the future. It's specifically around that uh, prediction, I would put it as the increased automation using robotics for the simple tasks. Uh, and I think that's going to even drive the, the workforce, the composition of the workforce, and, uh, and how the work gets done in the organization. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. John Essig, I can give you just barely 60 seconds predictions. Please go. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think from a cloud perspective, from, uh, you know, different technologies like predictive, we're, we're getting there already. That's changing now. Uh, when we look at AI and, and automation, like Sam said, and augmented reality, uh, you know, I do agree. I think that's going to be the big change in, in 20 years from now, how we, how we interact, um, the tasks that are automated for us. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Thank you very much. Karuna, I saved 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. Predictions, please. So I'm going to predict five years from now. I think the future that we are talking about today is going to be the present of five years. That's, that's you know, where organizations are going to be. I think a couple of key things will happen. We no longer will be emphasizing so much about, you know, feeds and speeds or, or, or data. We are going to be talking more only on outcome. It's going to be a very outcome-based uh, scenario for finance. It's going to be about you know, I need to achieve this particular growth, and here's how I'm going to get to it. It's going to be culmination of technology. It's going to be new business processes. It's going to be new business models. And technology will just naturally fit into it, will not be an add-on. Uh, that's my big prediction in five years. Thank you very much. I appreciate that special shout-out, and thank you to our guest, Sam Parikh at Deloitte Consulting. Hello to Carla Neal and Amanda Bush and all the wonderful people who bring us such interesting thought leaders from Deloitte. So, Sam, please send our regards. John Essig, don't wait so long to come back. It's been too long, and we appreciate all of your insights and prep for the show. Karuna Mukherjee, same to you. Why don't you come on more often? This was way too long since the last time. Great insights from the whole panel, and I hope we have motivated and inspired it 
and incited you to riot in terms of getting the power of technology in the hands of your finance department so they can lead as they rightfully need to be. I hope I said that right. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? A quick shout-out to Matt and the Business Channel team for helping us with this production, and a shout-out to Chris Grundy at SAP and his team who sponsor the series. So let's get back to the call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for another edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management